There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review, or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family, and that will help us grow. Tonight, I have Anna joining me, and she has had a lifetime of experiences all over Australia, from black triangle UFOs in Brisbane to egg-shaped crafts in rural New South Wales. Throughout this discussion, we learn that Anna might have been abducted with puncture wounds showing up on her after an occurrence of missing time. But before we get into that, let's talk about some five-star ratings and reviews. Each week, I read out a new five-star review that's left for me on iTunes, so if you want your review read out, simply jump on iTunes and leave a five-star review and let me know what you enjoy about the show, and I might just read it out on the next episode. This one's titled Outstanding by Tim Mack from Australia. Love the podcast. I've been searching for Yowie-related content for ages and you have plenty of it. Super interesting. So thanks for that, Tim. And if you want to support the show, I have now set up a Patreon. By becoming a Patreon, you'll get access to a whole bunch of goodies such as bonus episodes. There is still time to get yourself one of the limited edition founding member badges we have for the first 25 $3 supporters. So if you want to help support the show, you can find links for that in our show notes. And finally, if you want to chat to other listeners of the show, simply jump on Facebook and search for the Believe Paranormal and UFO fan group. But that's enough of me talking. Let's get into Anna's encounters. Tonight, I'm joined by Anna, and Anna's had quite a few encounters throughout her lifetime. Um, Hopefully, we're going to cover a fair few of those tonight, but Anna, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. 
No worries. It's an absolute pleasure having you on. And thanks for getting in touch with me on Facebook. And I mean, the message that you sent me is, is quite large and the experiences that you've had, are, um, they're fantastic. So do you mind kind of telling us about the, the first one that you want to talk to us about? Sure. Well, the, the first main experience that I had, uh, which was UFO related, was around about 1985, 1986. I was seven or eight years old, uh, living in Brisbane. And uh, I was at a friend's house. We were playing in her front yard, sitting on her trampoline. And we're in the suburb of Chelmer, which if anyone's familiar with Brisbane, that's around the sort of Indrapilly district. And uh, we're just sitting there and quite low in the sky at about maybe 3 p.m. in the afternoon. A black triangular UFO just comes silently traveling over us. It just, uh, it had no sound. It had a light in each corner, and it was a absolutely perfect black triangle. Um, I suppose I'd describe it as like a matte black. Um, yeah, and uh, at the time, I had no reference point for what that could be. So I went home and told my father that I'd seen a new type of plane. And, uh, yeah. So that was the first time I saw anything like that. A couple of years later, on the television, I saw the stealth bomber, and in my head as a child, I thought, oh, that must be what I saw, even though the shape was completely different with the stealth bomber being a bit more like a boomerang and wouldn't really turn up in Brisbane (laughs) at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And, yeah, so that was the, the main first experience. Yeah, right. That's really interesting because, I mean, that's the first thought that I had when you were, you are saying a, a black triangle. I was thinking, oh, I'm wondering if this is one of the, I guess, the early South Bombers that were um, in development because um, that timeline would kind of fit around the, I guess, the, the development time when those planes were getting made. But like you said, it was a completely different shape because the... Um, the, those south bombers, they're more like an arrowhead, so the triangle kind of just peaks in a little bit at the bottom. But you're saying this was a completely perfect triangle. Completely perfect. And looking back at the timeline of the creation of the stealth bombers, I mean, officially they say that they didn't have one off the ground until 1989, um, which is not to say that, you know, maybe they didn't. But uh, this was completely silent and was going at incredibly slow speed and then hovered over us with no sound. Oh, wow. Okay. So it, it stayed so motionless. No sound whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Like just absolutely no sound. Um, as slow as someone walking like that, that sort of speed and was only about the height above us of, say, if a, um, a helicopter was searching for someone. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so quite, that's quite low in yeah, the sky. That's very low. And I mean, if that was yeah. a, a, you know, a jet propelled plane, that would be making an absolute racket at that distance from you. Exactly. And that was the sort of concept I had of planes. They were loud. They were the sort of thing I saw at like Amberley Air Base when they had open days. You know, that was the concept I had. But the size of the object was similar in my mind to a fighter jet. So it wasn't huge. And I guess 
not to say that Brisbane isn't the uh, military highlight of Australia or the world, but um, yeah, I don't think they would have South Bombers flying around that area, especially at that time. No, especially I don't think in broad daylight either. I mean, I can't say that for sure, but uh, it just seemed like such an odd place. Uh, for it to be. And did you notice anything else about the craft? So you said that it had lights in each of the corners. Um, was there anything else that you may have noticed, considering it might have been at a fairly decent viewable distance? It just looked um, very flat and um, it was quite, whatever the material was, it was very dull. It wasn't reflective. I couldn't see anything that appeared like an opening I couldn't see anything that appeared to be like any sort of working parts. It was just very flat, matte black. Um, yeah, with no reflection. And you couldn't see any heat waves or anything like that that might have been disturbing the atmosphere around it because you kind of get that when you, you get helicopters or planes like that. You can just see the, I guess, the heat waves coming out from those engines or anything like that. Not as my memory serves me. Yeah, um, right. But as a child, I was looking at it not as anything extraordinary. I just thought, oh, that's new technology. Yeah. Yeah, that was about as interested as I was. Um, It's looking back in retrospect that I was like, hang on, (laughs) we haven't invented that yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it also didn't, (laughs) it didn't appear to be very tall. Like if, if you looked at it and you thought, where's the person going to fit? There's no windows. It, there wasn't anything bubbling up above it. It seemed to be as flat on top as it was on the bottom. So it, it seemed like a strange thing for a person to be inside. There didn't appear to be anywhere to look out of. Yeah, right. So it was it was completely, I guess, enclosed and you couldn't see any room for pilots or, or passengers, anything of that nature. No, it's just solid and angular and matte black all over. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm wondering if that might have been perhaps maybe a drone or something. I mean, it, that's very, very early for, for drone technology. But, um, you know, if depending on the technology that they had at the time, who knows, this could have been something an experimental or who knows, this really could have been something from out of this world. Look, honestly, the thing that struck me most was the fact that it was silent and uh, incredibly slow. Uh, how anything with any form of, uh, not you know, no propulsion, was visible. It wasn't like a helicopter and you could see why it would be hovering um, in that sort of era. And it was about the size of a fighter jet. You know, that would be an incredibly unusual drone for the era. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, that is quite an interesting encounter there, Anna. That's, um, that, you're lucky to spot something like that. Yeah, yeah. I just hap- I mean, we just happened to be looking in the right direction. Had we been facing the other direction where we were sitting on the trampoline, we wouldn't have heard it. It just would have gone past and we would never have known. It didn't whip up like the, the leaves or the wind or anything like that. Yeah. And do you think this is something man-made or do you think it's something else? I tend to think it's not man-made. Um, but that's as far as I can uh, hazard a guess. Um, I, I mean, only in recent years have I come across other people saying something similar, but more often in the United States than Australia. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard of a lot of UFO encounters in Australia that are black triangles, so it's a really unique find that you've, um, I guess, experienced that you've had there. So I would um, I would consider yourself quite lucky to spot that up in the sky. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, the most close-up uh, UFO encounter I've had. I, I have seen um, 
other um, unidentified objects, but not with that detail. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about those? In about 2001, I was living in northern New South Wales on a rural property. And uh, the property was on solar power. And back in those days, it was quite low wattage. So the little house I was in only had 12 volts. So there wasn't a lot to do. It had one light and I could read. And uh, I had a loft bedroom and an entire wall facing north was uh, all window. So I literally had nothing much to do but stare out the window at night. And that's what I was doing. I was looking out into the northern sky and I saw a light come pulsating across the sky and I really didn't think anything of it because it looked no different to the sort of light you'd see flashing on a commercial craft, except that we didn't seem to be under a um, uh, you know, a, a flight path. So I just watched it for the sake of watching it. And as it travelled in front of me, it got to a particular point and it stopped. And then it exploded into a big ball of light. That ball of light then shrunk down into a pinprick. And from that, it created a column from the pinprick down to the ground and the column disappeared from top to bottom. Oh, wow. And at the time, I thought maybe I had just witnessed a plane crash, even though it didn't make sense. You know, it looked like maybe a plane had just exploded, but it didn't make sense of a plane exploding, particularly with this column of light going from disappearing from top to bottom. And uh, then uh, about a minute later, uh, another one came along flashing across the sky. It stopped in exactly the same spot and did exactly the same thing, exploded into a ball of light, shrunk down to a pinprick, and then a column of light from top to bottom went to the ground and disappeared. That's really interesting. I have not heard anything like <laughs> that before. No, I, I mean, I have seen something a little bit similar uh, in years later, but um, no, I haven't really heard of something like that. I mean, I wouldn't call that the Min Min Lights or anything like that. Um I don't think that that's their sort of behaviour. Um, but the direction that uh, I was looking out was towards Mount Warning, and I've uh, known people personally who have seen a lot of craft around Mount Warning, so that didn't really surprise me, the direction. Okay, so this is maybe a bit of a common sight around that area. I think so, yeah. Yeah, right. Can you tell me a little bit more about the, I guess, the column of light that it left, because in the way I'm, I'm picturing it is it sounds like this might have been a craft and it may have been opening a wormhole. Maybe it, it, it shot off in the space and maybe this was the, the remnants that it left behind. What happened with that column of light? So the, the light exploded, it shrunk down, and then a column of light was left behind. Is that is that what happened? Yeah, so whatever it was, which flashed along until it got to this particular point, it stopped, and then it exploded into a ball of white light, which shrunk into a pinprick, and from that pinprick, a column of light uh, went down to the ground. It was quite a broad column of light, probably as broad as the explosion of light. And when the column of light disappeared, it disappeared from top down to the ground to bottom. Really? So it faded away? Well, it was... Uh, it was a perfect transition. It looked literally almost as if 
I mean, I saw nothing travel, but you would imagine it as if something had traveled top to bottom because it, it, it wasn't that it faded out. Uh, it just it disappeared in a steady course from top to bottom. Um, it had a very, you know, beam-me-up, sloppy look about it. <laughs> you know, it, looked, it looked literally like a tunnel of light going down. And then to see it a minute or so later happen again was quite mind-blowing. Did you ever encounter that type of situation uh, ever again on the farm? Uh, no. I had some strange things happen, but I don't know that they were UFO or aerial-related. Um, there was a phenomena living there in that region because um, this was out of town. Our, our closest town was about half an hour away. So I suppose rather than being towns, you had little regions. So um, the little, uh, within sort of three or four regions there, people could hear this frequency every morning. And people literally referred to it as the frequency. And around dawn every morning for roughly maybe an hour, you could hear a crack of electricity or something similar across the sky. And um, I'm very aware of, you know, there's the, the birds that make the whip sort of noise. I think they're called whip birds. But this is much, much louder. And you could look up at the sky and literally follow the trajectory of what you were hearing. And it would uh, follow like a 45 degree to 60 degree sort of uh, crack across the sky. It was very, very loud. It didn't matter whether you were inside or outside, you could hear it. And nobody knew where it was coming from. Did you happen to have an air force close to you? No, not at all. Because it might it sounds like it might have been a sonic boom that you're uh, that you're hearing each morning. Well, the crack happened uh, every few seconds, so that every five seconds it would crack. So just nonstop crack, crack. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so it never made sense because where we were was a combination of uh, dairy, cattle country, and bush. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Between, uh, there was like a triangle between Lismore, Kyogle, Mwoolumbo. We were sort of in that triangle. And, uh, yeah, it, it never made any sense. You couldn't see any sort of um, hidden facilities, even just, um, you know, massive um, you know, electricity generators of some sort. There just wasn't any that sort of made sense of what people could hear. That's really unique. What's so interesting about that is um, it's not only you that heard the sounds, it seems to be the whole township that were experienced the same thing. Yeah, even people, a couple of townships over. I mean, there was, when I say townships, there's no shops or anything like that. But, it's, you know, um, yeah. So it's just, it's purely rural and lots of people out there on solar power, you know, so. 
Have you ever experienced anything else out on that on that rural property? In the first few days that I was there, um, I had a strange experience. I woke up at dawn and I was absolutely surrounded by uh, toning. And there would be maybe eight tones, these musical tones, which were absolutely everywhere and nowhere. I could not tell you where it came from. It, it sounded as much like it was right next to me as it was outside. And I was, I was actually petrified. I just would not move. I lay there for an hour or more just listening to these uh, tones. And um, at the time, I was someone who was pretty easily scared, so I, you know, I, I avoided all sorts of horror movies, alien movies, anything like that. So it wasn't until over, like, over a decade later that I heard something that sounded similar to it, which was the tune that they played in Close Encounters, that toning that they played to the ship. That's what it, that's what it sounded like. It was very, very loud and just filled the air. Um, and that happened for two or three days in a row and then nothing. I never heard it again. What do you think that was? It just made no sense at the, at the time. I was too scared to move. In my mind, I was like, if I go outside, I'm going to see a UFO. I'm not going to move, you know. <laughs> and I was hardly breathing through it all. I was just so, even though it was the most beautiful sound. And the the land that we were living on um, had originally belonged to the Bunjilung people. And what we learned sort of later was that that region had been a, a women's place and had belonged to a, a, a medicine tribe. So I don't know if it had anything to do with the land there or its history or whether it was something completely separate. Um, but yeah, I could never ascertain the source of the sound. Have you ever experienced lost time on that property? Not on that property, but I have had lost time um, many years later um, when I was living in Lismore um, in about 2011. Um, I had seen a, um, a, a UFO while I was living there. I was living in Lismore Heights, which is um, on the side of a hill, and the view out from the property was over flat farming land called Howard's Grass. And I was always out in the backyard in the middle of the night taking my dog out uh, for a pee. (laughs) And uh, one night I was looking out over Howard's Grass, and I saw, like I saw at the previous property, I saw an explosion of light but this time I saw it at ground level. And so this explosion of light, quite large white light, which uh, shrunk down, and then from that, a black egg shot straight up vertical into the sky faster than anything I've ever seen. So it was a craft that was shaped like an egg? Yeah, I just saw a black egg shape uh, just shoot straight up in the air at really high speed. Do you mind going into uh, the the lost time that you had? Yeah, so at the similar sort of um, era, I don't know if it was the the same year or not, but again, I was out in my backyard in the middle of the night. I was taking the dog out because um, I was about to go to bed. It was 3.46 a.m. 
I just know that because I looked at the time and thought, I better go to bed. So I went outside. It was raining, and I'm not someone who really likes to stand in the rain for very long, and the dog was kind of fussing a bit. And so I would judge that I was outside maybe five or ten minutes at the very most. And while I was out there, um, this roar suddenly appeared over my head. It was as if I'd gone from everything was normal to someone had just started a jet engine beside my head. And never in my life have I hit the ground before, but I completely hit the ground. And uh, when I stood up, I couldn't see anything. There was just no evidence of uh, anything around me. Went back inside, and it was now 4.46 exactly. So either I stood in the backyard in the rain for an hour, which my clothes did not prove that I had been (laughs) getting soaking wet for an hour, or I lost maybe 50 minutes. And I can't account for the roar that appeared above my head. It was so loud that the instinct of my body was to hit the ground. What do you think happened? Um, I, I don't know, but for the following year or so, um, my body went into a state of hypervigilance. And so it wouldn't matter if a family member... I knew that they were in the next room. I could maybe hear them making a cup of tea. I knew who they were. I knew they were about to come into the room. My body would start screaming. And my mind's just like, this is so embarrassing. And I'd have no control over the hypervigilance that my body went into. It was just my body was frightened for about a year afterwards. Yeah, right. Um, So it took you a little while to really recover from that encounter. Well, in the moment... I wasn't scared. I was like, what was that? But I had no reason to be afraid. But over the course of the next year or so, my body, whatever my body memory was, was very afraid. And uh, about a year later, I woke up um, one day with a large, large puncture hole in the top of my right arm. And the swelling that went with it was about two inches across. And the hole, you could literally just look into my arm. It was like as if a a broad, hollow needle had been stuck into my arm. And you have no recollection of that one? No, I just woke up with that. I've woken up with bruises wrapped around my wrists for most of my life. Uh, Fingerprint-style bruises, normally three on top and one on the bottom on on both my wrists. Um, I have had an abduction-style experience, but that wasn't in that region. That was around about um, sometime between 2006 and 2009. I was living on the outskirts of Melbourne. And I didn't know at the time, because I avoided all things ET because they scared me, that I lived on the same road as the Kelly Carhill abduction experience. And I didn't learn about her till years later. And uh, living in that region... Um, the Yarra Rangers on the outskirts of Melbourne. Basically, everyone you speak to out there has either seen something or their friend has seen something or had an experience. Going to um, experience a group there was very interesting listening to the types of things that were happening to people in that region. Um, But for me, I woke up one night. um, We had a two-story home on the side of a hill 
and my bedroom was the only room at the very top. And I woke up floating in midair over my backyard, surrounded by green light. So I looked down and I could see the tiles of our back patio and the ferns. And then I travelled through the walls. And whatever this green light was, which obviously made things uh, so they weren't solid, I could see through my bed, through the floor, to the room downstairs. And so while everything was not solid, I could still see outside through the side wall to the backyard and I could see down through to the room downstairs. When everything finally became solid, because I also could not move, I jumped up and my room, because I'm not someone who likes uh, external light coming in for sleep, I had both blinds and curtains that blocked all the windows so that it was normally pitch black. My entire bedroom glowed green and the light source didn't come from any particular direction. It wasn't more intense anywhere, than it, you know, one place than another. And I ran through my room, being able to see everything, uh, through the door, down the stairs, and then I stood at the bottom of the stairs and looked up at my room and uh, my door was the, the bifold variety that has glass in it. And I could still see my room glowing green and I could hear a craft or I could hear something above the house. And the sound that it gave was, um, I would describe it as a whirring, spinning sound, but not like a helicopter because I was quite familiar with helicopters having lived near Westpac Chopper Terminal. Um but I could identify that this was a, the sound had a rotational sound and uh, it was quite loud and eventually it started to disappear and travel away quite slowly and I could hear it disappearing and as it slowly went away, so did the green light until it faded away and both the sound and the light were gone. How unique. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think that How do you comprehend what happened there? Well, I mean, I personally think it was something non-human and uh, that's all I can rationalise about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I do believe that ETs exist. I do believe that there are vehicles that can travel in ways we don't understand, but I can't necessarily define what that experience was because I only became conscious when I was in the middle of being put back. <laughs> Have have you ever had any regression therapy or anything like that to maybe draw out some memories of maybe what happened when you were, what it seems like you might have been um, abducted, just to see if there's anything that, that might be able to help you remember what happened there? I am interested in um, regression therapy. It's just there hasn't been anyone who lives near me, and the only offer I've had is via Skype and I'd prefer if I was going to be hypnotised that that person be in the same room as me, just for safety's sake. Um, but no, I'm definitely interested. Um, when I was a very small child, um, like the age of about two, um, when I'd wake up in the morning, I would often say to my family, oh, the people visited me again last night. And uh, unfortunately, no one was interested enough to ask me who the people were. So 
I don't have any more information than that, apart from the fact that I wasn't a fanciful child. I, um, I wasn't sort of into imaginary friends or imaginary play. So for me to say the people visited was quite unusual. What do you think that is looking back at it now? I just I do feel that I've sort of had a, a lifetime experience of um, perhaps being taken. Um, you know, the, the amount of bruises that I've woken up with throughout my life, always similar as if someone has held me around the wrist um, and a lifelong fear connected to ETs. I just couldn't even go there. I couldn't look at pictures of them right up until only a few years ago. I had to sort of force myself to become desensitized to their images because it would literally sort of send terror through me. It was like a very physical reaction. And are you still waking up with bruises on your wrists? Yeah, yeah, this still happens. Um, and I know, for example, a lot of people experience uh, sleep paralysis. Um, but rather than experiencing sleep paralysis, as in coming out of a dream and waking up and not being able to move, I've always experienced sleep paralysis from being perfectly awake and then I hear a noise coming. It's like a roaring noise, a bit like the ocean. And then uh, this intense pressure that feels like a battle of wills forces me to go to sleep. And um, when I've been in that experience of being in that battle of wills, of not wanting to go to sleep, I have seen the faces of uh, grey beings. It sounds like... I'm not sure what to say here, Hannah. It's, uh, it's, it, it, it sounds like you've, you've almost been earmarked by them to, to be constantly checked in on. It does feel a bit like that because I have lived in Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria and Tasmania and it follows me everywhere, these experiences. Is that one of the reasons that you moved? It's not so much the reason I move. It's the reason I don't really sleep at night anymore. Uh, generally I feel okay once about 4am passes but that time between about midnight and 3pm sorry 3am is if I were to sleep try and go to sleep at that time that tends to be a more vulnerable time for these experiences and have you taken any measures to to try protect yourself or um, even to try maybe capture something on film Um, I can't say I have I'm not really sure what protective measures because, um, you know, you could treat something as esoteric, but if they're flesh and blood, then something esoteric won't really work to protect you. And uh, apart from getting a really big dog, but... (laughs) 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 Yeah. But no, I haven't set up cameras or anything like that. Well, Anna, I want to thank you for coming on the show because those... um You've had some absolutely uh, amazing and, and terrifying encounters throughout your life, and it seems like you, 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 you'll continue to have those. Um, and I just hope that you stay safe throughout that process. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au. Or you can message me on Facebook, and that's facebook.com forward slash Believe UFO Radio. Until next time, stay safe, and you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 